All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash own your style. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful things. Laugh a little more things. Tight, tighten up your core things. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope y'all are having a great week so far. I am so pumped for this episode because I've got Matthew West on for all four things. And I got to tell y'all that I love, love, loved my sit down with him. I could have sat down with him for eight things and put up a three hour podcast, but we kept it at four and we kept it at an hour ish. And so I know this is a long one, but I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. If you've got time, you can listen to it on a faster speed. I feel like that's how I'm consuming a lot of books these days and podcasts and trying to get in a bunch of info that I want to get in. And and this is uh, an episode that offers some wisdom from a really cool person. You know, he's a contemporary Christian singer-songwriter, and that's probably how a lot of you know him, or maybe you've read some of his books, but he's also dabbled in some acting, has won tons of awards, and written stuff for all kinds of 
of people, but he's an amazing storyteller and plus just really laid back and full of wisdom. So I loved being able to soak up everything that he was saying, and I hope that you will do the same. But before we get into those four things, I do want to say that we have an announcement for the Steve Mokler Song Portrait Giveaway. I appreciate every single person that sent in an email. Steve does too. It was hard to get through some of them. They were very emotional and touching and we were moved by them. I wish we could give a song away to every single person that emailed in, but that is impossible. So we just had to pick one and I'm going to read that email to you right now. And I think when I read it, you'll understand why this is so special. And again, not to take away from anybody else's story because they were all special, all the emails, but this one in particular, we just thought, okay, this is going to be amazing. And Steve really felt like he could write a good song for the family. This email came from Terry, which at this moment when I'm recording it, I haven't emailed Terry back to even tell her that she got it. So Terry, hopefully I've emailed you. If you're, if you're listening, maybe this is how you're finding out and that's special too. But Terry sent in, Dear Amy, I'm writing for the Mokler song Opportunity. My situation is a little unusual and that it would be for two people, my children. My girls are 11 and 13. Their father died after a short but valiant fight against cancer when they were four and six. I've been raising my children on my own since his death. During my husband's illness, my husband and I tried to figure out a special gift to give our children on their 16th birthdays that would be a keepsake from both of us. He passed away before we decided on what that might be. This song would be an opportunity to give a message to my girls about their father's love for them and maybe include some life lessons that he would have liked to share with them. I would also like to include a message about my love as a mother to them and encourage them to be everything that they can be despite life's challenges. There is no specific timeline for this. Our original goal of a 16th birthday gift is not important, so much as the message to my girls that they are maturing into beautiful young ladies. Thank you for offering such a wonderful, heartfelt gift. Terry. Okay, so Steve is going to take that, and he'll get with Terry and have her do her homework and send him what he needs to put together a song and he's gonna write that for these two girls that have an amazing mother and lost their father but they will now have this song as a gift and so in a way I feel like this is an answer to that and that's why we decided to go with this email and it's again I think the song is going to be beautiful and Steve will come on and well with Terry's permission once it's written if she feels comfortable with it he will come on and perform the song on the podcast as well so I feel like I just have to say this one more time of all the emails that came in every single one of them was special and we just had to make that tough decision and pick one but I know that this is the right choice and I can't wait to hear what Steve comes up with for this family And I got one more thing for you guys before we get into the Matthew West interview, and that is that our Four Things customized Christmas pullovers go up tomorrow, which is Friday, October 16th, depending on when you're listening to this. May have already passed, but heads up, this is a limited edition thing, so I have no idea when we're going to reach capacity, but if you're wanting to customize one for yourself or make some gifts because they make really cute 
pajamas for the whole family, which I started to think when I say pajamas, do you say pajamas or pajamas? I feel like I say pajamas normally, but for whatever reason, when I talk about these pullovers, I keep saying pajamas. Either way, they look cute with jeans. They'll get you festive. Or if you want to put them on with some fun plaid flannel bottoms or green pants, buy everybody matching bottoms and then customize the four things pullovers for them. It could be a really cute family photo, fun thing to wear Christmas morning or Christmas Eve. But you got to be thinking of your four things because they will go up tomorrow. And again, I don't know when we're going to reach capacity or if we even will, but we've got to get them made soon because they're a six-week pre-order and we want everybody to have them in time because we're all wanting to get in the Christmas spirit ASAP. So fourthings.com for that. RadioAmy.com for anything else that you may need. Make sure you're following at Shop Espoir and at the Shop Forward on Instagram if you're not already. That way you don't miss out on anything that we have coming up. All right, here is my awesome sit down with Matthew West. Enjoy. First thing. Okay, so sitting here with Matthew and talking about what the four things are that we're going to do. And normally I save gratitude as the fourth thing. And I love for guests to share what they're thankful for and just encourage others. First of all, I think it helps people get to know a little bit more about your life and what's going on, but also to encourage them to practice gratitude throughout the day and and see how you implement that into your own life. And you shared a a story about something that happened in your home and now what y'all do. So I thought, okay, we're going to lead off with that because I feel like this is such a time. I mean, 2020 in general, it's crazy, but with the election coming up, this is a time where we need to find the silver linings. Yes. So I'll let you share that story and then get into the four things that you are grateful for. Yeah, I love that you have that as a part of every episode. And it's uh, for such a time as this in 2020. 2020, where we need to practice gratitude. We need to think about some good things. And sometimes what helps to think about good things is to hear good things in other people's lives, you know, and how we're going about implementing, you know, as a dad and a husband, I'll be honest with you, like early in 2020, like when the whole world started falling apart, I had days as a dad and a husband that I would redo if I could, you know, like I just kind of let the stress and anxiety wind me up pretty big time. And my wife, she's always a truth teller in my life. She sat me down one day and she's like, Hey, you got to do a better job. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you wake up in the morning, you're watching the news, you start freaking out. You know, I'm worried about shows canceling employees, all these things. She's like, you get all wound up. The whole family's looking to you right now. We need you to lead us like be our Tom Brady. And I'm like, well, I'm never going to be that handsome. But <laughs> like, <laughs> but what she was saying was like, calm on, be calm under pressure, like lead us that way. And so one of the big moments in our family in 2020 was a little thing. And it was something we noticed our youngest daughter had done on her own. She had written a list and made a list of all the things that were wrong all the things that had gone wrong or were wrong about from her vantage point as an 11 year old kid seeing the world in the middle of a pandemic. And as parents, like we came across that and it just kind of broke our hearts, right? It's just like, man, like this is what she's thinking about. Like when she goes to bed at night, like, and so my wife did a really cool thing. She said, okay, I see this list and I'm going to raise you a challenge, right? Go make another list of all the things that are good. And she said, oh, okay. And so she went and did that. And we were amazed to see that that good list was actually longer than than the other list. And what it started, what started happening for us was we would take these family walks and imagine that, like putting our devices down and going for a little walk. And I just would start saying, all right, what's one silver lining today? And everybody had to pick one. 
And in other words, what I was saying is like, there's no mistaking the cloud above us. Everyone's got this cloud above us in 2020. The cloud is called 2020. There's uh, there's no mistaking that. But let's focus on a surprise silver lining, a blessing in the middle of this battle that we're facing. And uh, it would change our entire family's demeanor when we would each take time. And sometimes it'd be something little, you know what I mean? Like, But for me, my, my silver lining was I'm home. I'm with you. Like we're getting to take this walk. I'm not in Detroit somewhere getting ready to go on stage. I'm with my family. So I think that's become something that I hope we can carry into the years beyond 2020 of like, let's focus on some silver linings, even when the cloud is unmistakable and, and seeing that change the demeanor of, you know, our daughters and how they're seeing the world as well. It's just a little thing, but those little things become big things in a time where we need to be encouraged and to think about positive things. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We do high-low around the dinner table. Love that. And some days I am thinking, should we just ditch the low part? But sometimes my kids, they want to share the low. And I love days, though, that they're like, you know what? I don't have a low. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And meanwhile, in my head, I'm rattling off all these lows. (laughs) But then if if you shift that perspective, I truly do have more to be thankful for. It's not lost on me what other people are going through. Like you're not on this in Detroit about to go on stage, but still your heart is heavy knowing that you're not out connecting with your fans. You're not out giving your team of however many people are employed by doing a show. So there's a certain amount of heaviness that I think is fair to recognize in these moments of gratitude, the silver lining, you get to be with your family, but it's not lost on you. Some of the pain others might be having because they're not getting a paycheck. That's right. And, And if we ignore the heaviness, then we probably rob ourselves of the opportunity to acknowledge that, hey, there's some kinds of heavy we can't carry ourselves. Right. You know, we we all need some help. We need help from each other. I think about this old song we used to sing in church and it's called Blessed Be the Name, but there's a line in the song that says, you give and take away, you give and take away, but my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. And 2020 has been a year where like a lot's been taken away from me. A lot's been taken away from all of us. But I think the silver linings conversation with my family has been about the acknowledgement of like, okay, but maybe it's not all about what's been taken away from us. Like what are the gifts that have been given to us? And maybe some of the things that have been taken away have created a little bit more room for us to receive some beautiful gifts. I know that I've maybe been missing out on. And I'll be honest with you, I wrestle with guilt almost my whole life. That's, that's, I mean, that's a deeper conversation, but like the biggest aspect of it is I'm on the road. I feel guilty for being away from my family. I'm, I'm home and I feel guilty for not like being out encouraging people with my music. It's always been a, a struggle for me to just be content where I am in the moment and trust that there's grace for the times I'm away from my kids and there's grace for the days that I'm home with my family. And this has been a time where it's been taken away from me, like the expectation for me to even be gone is taken away. And out of that, I can feel free just to be a dad and a husband. And I feel like I've been gifted this unexpected time with my family that um, has helped me make up for some lost days, weeks, months that I've been on the road. So the give and the takeaway has been a real predominant theme in my life this year. So in getting to know more about you, what are four things that you are thankful for right now? And I guess you mentioned you do the walks and the silver linings, but, but even before this, I'm sure you were a person, even before 2020, you were a person that practiced some sort of thankfulness and gratitude and acknowledging of that. So what does that look like for you on a day-to-day basis? Besides just the the walks with your family, are you a journaler? Do you write it down? Do you just speak it out loud? Is it in your prayer time? Is what are you? thankful for today Mm -hmm. 
but then just to encourage others, because some people are like, I don't even know where to start when it comes to practicing gratitude yeah. <laughs> or expressing what I'm thankful for. And that there are no rules. It's just that yeah. I like for people to share how they implement it because it can inspire people Absolutely. to try it out. Yeah. And I try all different ways. You know, I mean, songwriting is my go-to when I'm trying to release anything, whether it's discouragement, questions, crazy, fear, and gratitude as well. And so, but what I find that happens my songwriting is best when I'm doing some writing before my songwriting. And so uh, I, I really struggle with focus and like like sitting down. Like I know how important it is for me. Like my faith is very important to me. And so like spending time praying, I'm like my dog though. Like, I mean, I can like close my eyes and focus on a prayer and then it's like squirrel and I just, you know, get distracted. So writing down my thoughts and my prayers have been very important. And um, a while back I saw this like acronym, you know, which was ACTS and it was A stands for adoration, C stands for confession, T stands for thanksgiving, and S stands for supplication. And what I first I had to look up the meaning of the word supplication. I'm not I'm not <laughs> gonna lie, I'm no C.S. Lewis. But what I noticed about doing that, so the very first thing I was doing with that A was just writing down like the characteristics of like the God that I believe in, you know, and how good he is. Then came like confession, like kind of all right, what we just talked about, like let's acknowledge the heavy in the room, right? Let's acknowledge the elephants in the room, let's acknowledge the, the areas I've messed up as a dad or, you know, blew it in any other area of my life. But then comes Thanksgiving and notice all these things are happening before you even uh, voice what your need is, right? So a lot of times when I would pray in the past, it would be going right to like, hey, God, help me out here. This is what I need. Go ahead and do this for me and everything will be better. But instead, like starting in that reverse order of like adoration, confession, then Thanksgiving, man, a lot of times I would get so caught up and that section of Thanksgiving would be the longest section so that by the time I was even getting to like what my need was, my needs changed even like because I realized maybe I'm not wanting for as much as I thought I was. And so that's just been a practice for me that's been helpful. So anybody out there whose faith is important to them that could be something that they put into practice like writing down your thoughts writing down your prayers uh is is a good way for me so these days right in front of me you know the gratitude areas are are in my house you know like we're i'm looking at my wife and we've been married for 17 years and we met at a record label i was auditioning to get a deal at uh starstruck studios which was owned by the great reba mcintyre and i was going in for my final audition like every label had passed on me and I had one kind of last chance. And it was actually Tim Dubois and Tony Brown, two country music legends that liked my music. And they said, hey, we'll, we'll bring you in for an audition. And I was so nervous, but I remember walking and thinking I was going to be in front of a bunch of suits and ties. And there were suits and ties. There were the executives. But my wife, my future wife was in the audience. And this gorgeous girl named Emily, she worked at the label. And so I like to joke that I got a wife and a record deal in the same day. And, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like that's been such a huge blessing in my life. So when I think about like the gratitude that I have, uh, there's a song on one of my records called Jesus and You. And uh, it just talks about really the two things that keep me from, you know, driving off into a ditch somewhere. And that's, you know, Jesus and the gift that he's given me and my best friend, Emily. I love that. So y'all have two kids. Yes. Yeah. So two the, daughters. The, what do you have any dogs? I know you were, <laughs> my dog was all over. Your you dog is so ago. nice to me. 
it, I kind of want to trade dogs for a week just because whatever you're doing to your dog, like I need my dog barks. Like if you came over to my house, my dog's first instinct is like, I'm about to protect the West family. Your That's dog. Awesome. Mine's you're just, like, no, you want to take me with you? No, <laughs> I wish you wouldn't protect us at all. I so don't know, man. Be what? More, before her, we had a Rottweiler and she was amazing. Okay. But she lived a great life and yeah. got cancer. But yeah, now we have this little Labradoodle thing. <laughs> She's just like, hey. Hey guys, well, rub my belly. That's one of my new gratitudes today was a dog was actually nice to me. So. Oh, okay. You added one into the <laughs> yes, list. Yes. So what else do you got that you are thankful for? I definitely am thinking about my girls, Lulu and Delaney. Lulu's 14. She's a freshman. She's uh, an awesome cheerleader. And I'm thankful for like Friday night football and getting to go see. Oh, are you doing Friday Night Lights? Well, like we got to go see, actually it was Thursday Night Lights. I got to go see my daughter. The games are at weird times right now because they're like just trying to find other schools that can play, Yeah. right? So it's this, it's kind of odd thing, but but yeah, so I got to go watch my daughter cheerlead on a random night that again, I would normally be like somewhere like FaceTiming from Indianapolis before I go on stage to see my daughter cheer for the football team. But this time I'm like, and my favorite thing is to be the annoying dad. Like, so every time she finishes a cheer, I'll get, I'll throw up my hands and give her like a gymnast, gymnastics score. <laughs> and so like, uh, but the other night she's cheering and she hadn't even put her sneakers on the right way. Like the kids wear their shoes right now where they like, they put the heel down and they wear them like flip flops. And I'm mm-hmm. like, if you're going to be a true athlete, like, so at halftime, I went down. I was like, hey, put your shoes on the right way. And she's like, dad, it's fine. But but I give I, I always flash a 10 after every cheer. She's crushing it. So. You're the proud dad. I yeah. am. My daughter started soccer recently through school. And so it's her first school sports team. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they put her in. She's not starting. but And she knows that. Like, she's never. Some of these girls have been playing soccer forever. And yeah. here she comes. And I'm so proud of her. And they put her in. And I start recording. And I stand up. And I'm like, he's screaming. Yes. And I know she's yes. so embarrassed. But because yeah. I, I feel every single part yeah. and then she touches the ball and I start freaking out and she is telling me calm down but I think it's parents that's our job is to oh man them up and I don't know growing up did you play sports I did and my parents were always my biggest cheerleader I mean almost to a fault you know because my dad had me believing that like you know <laughs> you if I was going to play basketball I'm the next LeBron even though I was 5'10 and couldn't jump you know <laughs> if I was playing baseball I was going to be you know the greatest whatever it is and so they were always my biggest cheerleader I remember my first ever concert was at a Barnes and Nobles bookstore on 75th Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. And they weren't paying me. They were just giving me free coffee and I could play for tips. And I showed up and like nobody was there, like casual shoppers, but no, nobody was there to see me except for two people, my mom and my dad. And my dad dropped a $20 bill in my tip jar during my first song. And he said, I'm setting the bait. You know, you're going to make people see a 20 and then you'll make more money. And of course, that night I made a grand total of $20. But what I realized there is like, man, I've got some cheerleaders. And so I want to be a cheerleader for my kids. And, you know, really the extension of what we're talking about, these gratitude points is my parents now live with me. They grew up, I grew up in Chicago and they've moved to Nashville. My dad and I have a nonprofit organization together. And so it's really cool to be able to like help take care of my parents, you know, and what is y'all's nonprofit? It's called Pop We. He's my pop. And it's like a, it's a, it's an organization, a 501c3 that's all about community. A lot of the songs I write are inspired by people's stories. I heard you talking about Steve Mokler in a previous episode of how he's going to do song portraits. Yeah. And it's cool because like 10 years ago, I started inviting people the opportunity to share their stories with me. 
And I've collected thousands of people's stories and have written a bunch of songs inspired by people's true stories. And so a lot of my songs that are on the radio are like in, like inspired by Jordan, who wrote to me about his battle with drug addiction, or Tanya, a single mom who wrote to me about working two jobs to raise three kids with her husband not around. And the list goes on. You know, Julie, whose dad walked out and she wanted, she's like, write a song for all the kids who, who are growing up in a broken home. And so these are the stories that have fueled my creative process. So now my dad, who was a minister for 40 years, he actually comes on the road with me and my band and keeps us out of trouble but then he also like coordinates volunteers to like counsel people at our concerts and it's the coolest thing to see like my dad's 70 and he has spent his whole life my mom and my dad like spent their whole lives just loving other people and when I talk about writing songs about other people's stories, one of the big components I try to encourage people and use the example of my mom and dad in doing so is how good life gets when you become a character in somebody else's story, right? Yes. Like when you step out and go, all right, I'm going to think beyond me. So the name of our organization, Population We, it comes from those population signs that you see when you drive into a town, pop and then the number. And too often in my life, I've been focused on population me, a population of number one, me, my family, everybody else can fend for themselves. And so my dad and mom have set a better example than that of like, hey, this is where life gets good. When you step out and the population of your world gets bigger, that's when life gets more fulfilling. So I think I just said like 30 things I'm grateful for there. No, but I love it. And see how this is a part of the podcast where it allows people to get to know more about you. Because I mean, I have all this stuff I was looking at and I don't see anything about Pop Wee. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's cool. And I love that that's something you get to share with your dad. Here's a great example. So I'm playing the state fair in Kentucky. And uh, I get up and I sing, sing my songs. And a lot of times in my concerts, I'll say, hey, I want to tell you the story behind this next song, but a video will pop up. And that actual person's telling their story. One night happened to be a story of addiction. Little did I know there's a guy in the crowd named Rob. Rob's at the state fair. And I found out he was only at a Matthew West show against his will, which I hope to this day that not many people are at my shows against their will. But he was in jail a heroin addict, and his mom would only bail him out on one condition, that he would go to a Christian music concert at the <laughs> State Fair. And he's like, whatever, just get me out. Well, sure enough, he's at that concert. He hears this story of a guy battling with addiction and how he overcame these obstacles in his life. Rob reaches out to my dad and our nonprofit organization, says, hey, I'm finally ready to get some help, but I can't afford it. So our organization sponsored him to go to a year-long recovery program. He's clean and sober three years now, and, and some incredible things are happening in his life. So I think another thing I'm grateful for is how, how a life can change, you know? How you can face battles in your life. That's one predominant theme. As I, I've collected thousands of people's stories from around the country, so many people have been made to feel like their story's too messed up. Like they made one too many mistakes. They got one too many wounded chapters in their stories. Well, how could my story have any impact in the world? And then I meet guys like Rob at a state fair in Kentucky who dares to believe that his addiction doesn't have to define him. And now he's a dad and he's clean and he's sober and he's about to do great things in his life, you know? So I think that's one of the things like, 
now you get me fired up when I start talking about how lives can change. And Well, um, I, this makes me think yeah. of too, and you may not even know this, but a couple of weeks ago, I played a clip of your song, Truth Be Told, in my podcast. Are you serious? Yes, because, and a listener sent it to me. I had done an episode on mental health yes. uh, because September was Suicide Awareness yes. Month. Yes. And I think a lot of times we walk around with this, I'm fine, which even with our Four Things brand, we decided to just make a shirt where it's, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything is <laughs> yeah. fine. And those are the four things. Yeah. And a listener sent in, hey, along with your whole, which I get is sarcastic. Like it's, it's an ironic shirt. Sometimes sure. people are like, why are you wearing that when you're not fine? You're I'm not like, fine. well, I guess it's my way of being like, I'm not fine. And sometimes I can laugh about it like nobody's fine. But it's also very serious too right. when you are hiding under I'm fine too much. Yeah. It's a fine line of I'm fine. Well played, well played. And <laughs> so after I did the episode of what it can really mean when someone's saying I'm fine, because it can mean way more than obviously I'm fine. And someone sent an, a listener of mine emailed me your song wow. and said, this just makes me think of truth be told. And so then I have a fifth thing, a bonus episode I throw up on Tuesdays where I share emails and I shared the email that they had oh, sent wow. in and then played a hook of your song. Oh, that's so cool. But in case people didn't hear that, because it is a bonus episode they may not listen to. Well, actually, I'm going to play 30 seconds of truth be told right now. And then I want you to talk about it for a second. Okay. Broken, and when it's out of control, I say it's under control, but it's not, and you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it when being honest is the only way to fix it. There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. Okay, so now I need to know all the details behind the making of that song. That song is like my autobiography in three minutes. I grew up a preacher's kid, and from a young age, I felt like I could just feel people watching me. The pressure to never mess up and to be perfect. It was never from my parents, but it was from like the environment of growing up as a, as a preacher's kid. And then fast forward, I'm in the public spotlight for a profession. You know, I'm a singer, I'm on stage. I think from a young age, I developed this ability to really focus on the outward appearance and make sure that like everybody looks at me and goes, man, not only is he fine, but man, he's on fire. Like that guy's got it all together. So I knew how to put on a face. I knew how to quote the right Bible verse or whatever it might be to make people think, yeah. But it really wound up being this this skill that has served me well in my life. But the more I'm alive, the more I realize that's not really living. That's no way to live your life, you know, to be sort of a pretender in a way. And I'm not talking about like a Jekyll and Hyde where like I'm two different people. I'm just talking about those areas in our lives where we're more concerned about the outward appearance. And these days I just, and 2020 has done a lot for me of making me want to like work on myself and become, I just want to mind, I want to find the most authentic version of me. And I realized that authentic does not equal perfect because there's no such thing. Authentic is actually flawed. In uh, my last book, I used the image of, I did some research on diamonds and how like extreme pressure under the earth is what creates diamonds, right? But extreme pressure in our lives doesn't tend to create diamonds of our lives. It tends to create this pressure to put on a highlight reel or pretend to be perfect. But, you know, uh, one of the research things I said that I read about diamonds was that even diamonds 
have flaws. We all know this, right? If you've ever shot for diamonds or, you know, for me, shopping and learning the different clarity and stuff Color, like that. Color, cut, clarity, the exactly. three Cs. <laughs> right. So they say that a flawless diamond is, a, is as rare as a unicorn. And yet, like, when I turn on Instagram and when I look at everything that everybody's doing, I feel like we're all just trying to, like, pretend that we're unicorns. <laughs> like, we're like this, you know, here's the highlight reel of myself. And in 2020, man, if this isn't a year that doesn't force us just to get on honest with some areas of our lives that are not perfect, right? Or some areas of brokenness in our lives that we haven't dealt with. We sweep it under the rug until there's this giant mountain under the rug. We keep walking around it, pretending it's not there. That's no way to live our lives. And so I wrote this song just out of the desire to like, I don't know, man, here I am like this singer that people know or people look up to. And I'm just tired of like acting like I'm I'm perfect because I'm not. And uh, I hope that this song frees other people. Right. So whether you're whether you're battling with depression, whether you have a, an abuse in your childhood that you've never really dealt with the trauma. Right. Whether you made a mistake in your life that maybe only, you know, but you're just like just weighed down by the guilt of it. Those aren't hypothetical situations. Those are the stories I read every single day. And people are maybe sharing their story with a stranger like me because they hear me on the radio, but they're not sharing it with somebody who's right next to them or going to see a counselor who can really help them take the next step. So I just get excited about the thought why is this song resonating with so many people right now? Like it's it's kind of burning up the radio charts on Christian radio. And what's ironic is a lot of people criticize Christian music or Christian radio for being like somewhat less than authentic sometimes or maybe a little fluffy. And this song ain't that. I didn't think the record label was going to put it on the radio. And they did. And now people are calling in going, that's me. Oh, and I'm I would fine. encourage people too to. I watched the music video. Like, go to YouTube and watch it, or where do you, wherever you can watch it. I would just Google, yeah, Matthew West, Truth Be Told, and download it, stream it, listen to it. It is a powerful song, and I think for you, you're using your gift to put that message out there. And I feel like as public figures, it's a weird place because it's wanting to help others feel like they're not alone, and wanting yeah. to be vulnerable, but not too vulnerable, and yeah. needing to share our story, but not too much of our story. Yeah, and then it's it's. It's like, how do you decide? I'm just curious how you decide what all you're going to be put out there. Because some stuff is personal. Uh, some stuff is part of your family story and other people are involved and that's their story too. Mm-hmm. So it's not fair for you to put all of that out there. Sure. So again, these unicorn lives that we put up on Instagram and I put up a post a couple of weeks ago in my I'm fine as sort of to put the sarcasm out there, but also to say that I use Instagram as a positive place. And I, even when I share my parents' cancer journeys, like losing my mom, a lot of that was public. We talked about it on the Bobby Bone show. It was very, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. He was willing to share part of his story, but a lot of what I shared was still none of the lowest of lows of lows that a lot of people go through were put out there. And I, because again, we want to not just look like our lives are really awesome, but we want to be positive. We don't want to be the Debbie Downer, right? We don't want to be dragging somebody or an energy suck or a a (laughs) woe is me. And so sometimes I struggle with, so I'm curious you too, but again, you have an amazing voice and have an outlet where you can write a song about it. I am not that lucky, but since I do have followers and I do have listeners, I also don't want to be fake. I am going through lows. Like, but I don't want to be the the wet blanket sure, sure. when people t- turn on my Instagram. But I am going through stuff that is incredibly challenging. So I struggle with 
what to put out there. Because again, I don't want people to feel alone, but you said, you mentioned this a minute ago, so I'll say it. Just because you're willing to share your truth, right? Mm -hmm. Truth be told, like I'm not fine, doesn't mean that that's you sharing your truth to Facebook or Instagram or your entire friend network. It could be that you're speaking to a counselor or a trusted friend or something to where you have an outlet to get it out there. Sure. So I guess that's, I'm talking about two totally different no, things but, in one, but hopefully you're tracking me. And they're equally important. And you you do an amazing job of setting an example of what it looks like to live your story in a public platform. And and my wife would agree too. In fact, on my way here today, like she called me, she's like, hey, you're going to talk with Amy. Did you know that she adopted from Haiti? Did you know this? This is like, she knows your story. She follows your story. And I think a lot of people who follow you are following you because you're leading with authenticity. But within that, you're exactly right. There's different circles in our lives. And on the broadest circle of influence would be our social media accounts. And it's like, you know, I think there's such a thing as fake real too, you know, where like people will lead with and just kind of air their dirty laundry. I don't think necessarily the point of living an authentic story, I don't think living an authentic story always looks like leading with the most wounded chapters of your story. Nice to meet you. I was a victim of childhood abuse. It's more about, have I reached a level of healing for some of the wounded parts of my life so that when it comes time, when there's a moment in time that's been orchestrated for my life where my or that particular part of my story can serve as an encouragement or a catalyst for change or healing in somebody else's story, am I at that point where I'm willing, ready, and able to share that part of my story so that it can help somebody else who's in need? In other words, Imagine this, if we began to experience such freedom in our lives that we began to see even the most jacked up part of my story could actually serve an unbelievably impactful purpose in somebody else's story. So it may not be about sharing it to the masses. It may be about the moment where you got to share it with the one. And so I think that's what it's about. But what you just said is equally important. It's the first step of getting to a point where you're not saying you're fine, but really hurting inside is, all right, will you be brave enough to go talk to somebody who can help you? So guess what? It's like my counselor in Nashville said something to me. He's like, I was talking to him about my kids or whatever. And he's like, you know, Matthew, everybody's parents gives them at least one reason to need counseling at some point in their life. And I resented that at first. I was like, oh yeah, that just sounds like job security for you, a therapist, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, generations are coming your way. But the reality is, is We all have aspects of our lives that we can't fix on our own, that we can't, even with our spouse or whatever it may be, those closest to us, we got to talk to somebody. And there's such a stigma around that. I think less now than when I was a kid, but man, I just see the importance of that getting like, you have to have some people around you helping to hold you accountable, maybe ask you the tough questions. And then sometimes it's about going to see a counselor and working through. And I feel like 2020, man, nobody can say that they're fine all the time in 2020. And so really, isn't it about maybe all of us being able to feel a little less alone in that? Yes. A little less alone in our brokenness. Like when you share about your dad's battle with cancer, like imagine how many other people out there are going, 
gosh, I'm trying to keep it together for my family. I got kids, this and that. And now my my father or a family member's battling cancer and I'm trying to help take care of them too. And it's a lot more than I can handle, but they're finding comfort in the fact that, hey, at least I'm not walking through this alone. And I think in 2020, maybe we all could stand to feel a little less alone in knowing that we all got some messes in our lives that, that aren't going to just fix themselves. And so are we willing to do the hard work during the one shot we get at this life to really find some healing? And I'm talking to myself because that's why I wrote that song. I don't do that very well, man. I isolate. I close up shop. I don't like talking about the messy parts of my lives. That's why I'm writing these songs because I'm trying to live up to them. Not that I've already achieved that, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. And thinking back on that post too that I put up, it was really, I was trying to highlight the, the mental health aspect of it and that I may not get into the weeds of everything that's going on, but trying to, truth be told, things are not okay right now, but I'm doing what I need to do to find healing and get help. And so it's more so encouragement that others, like you were saying, take that next step, whatever that looks like for you to be on the path of yeah. healing. And it's, it's a journey and everybody's journey is different. Well, I love that you just said the next step because it's like, man, we try to cover a thousand miles in, in a single step, right? Like we expect to be, you know, my counselor talked about uh, years ago, I had surgery on my throat at Vanderbilt Hospital and something happened in my mind. Like I was going through all this physical therapy, trying to recover my voice and having to do all this. But then I had one last appointment with a therapist to like work on my voice. It was one last appointment. And then they were gonna send me off into the world to resume my career as a singer. But I didn't show up to the last one. And I don't know why, I just was like, it was weird. Like I just didn't show up. And it was gonna be like a celebration, but I didn't go. And my counselor helped talk to me about this thing called a flight to health, where like our tendency is just to be like, I'm fine, I'm ready to go. Let's like this survival tactic of just like jumping right into action again after you've been wounded or broken, whether it's a physical thing or an emotional trauma in your life. And so I do feel like there was this tendency in my life, it's just like, I'm right back up. You know, if I was in a boxing match, I got knocked down, but they before they got to the town, back up. You see that boxer who's still seeing stars, but he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I feel like a lot of times I tend to be like that. And so there's no way we're going to cover a thousand miles in a single step. It's really about taking that next step today, the next step tomorrow. And so for somebody listening to this right now, that next step might be calling a counselor or going to meet a trusted friend or whatever that may be, just taking that next step, saying, man, I'm not fine. And could you walk with me through this? And you'd be surprised how many people are out there ready to like walk with you and take the next step, not a thousand miles, the next step, and then the next step. And guess what? One day you look up and you're a thousand miles farther forward and your life is in a totally different place. And then then you can really step into the fullness of like who were you, who you were made to be and how you could really impact the world around you. How do you eat an elephant? That's right. One, One bite, bite at a, a time. time. <laughs> right. So a lot of us are guilty of doing that whole last minute shopping thing when it comes to holidays. Like Mother's Day. You might be in that position right now. And that makes it challenging to find a great gift for mom. But don't worry, Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. So whether the mom in your life is a fashionista or maybe even a photographer or a fanatic about yoga, Macy's Gift Finder has got so many great gift ideas to make her feel special. Now, Mother's Day 
is May 12th. So make sure you make note of that. Don't have much time. That's okay. Macy's has got you covered. And you can shop by price, $25 and under or $100 and under. You can shop by category, fragrances, handbags, and more. Or they've got gift lists, like for the mom who has everything, gifts that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted, or gifts for grandma. Top gifts include Beats headphones, digital photo frame, Polaroid camera. That would be so awesome to receive. Or my personal favorite, man, I would love to get this as a gift, Samsung Smart TV The Frame. Go to Macy's.com slash gift finder. Again, it's pretty easy. Just head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas anytime I wear them or I get a new pair. They feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like I want research. I want to know like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. The results... Well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my ritual essential for women 18 plus multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. 
No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. Second thing. So this is something fun. You recently launched your own podcast. I did. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's it called and where can people find it? Well, it's uh, it's got a very clever title. It's called the Matthew West Podcast. Nice. I was getting ready to launch the podcast with a different title that I won't say. And uh, days before the launch, I even wrote the theme song, which, by the way, I'm a huge Walker Hayes fan. So Whoop. I love your theme song from Walker. But uh, my attorney called me. He's like, hey, man, that name for your podcast, there's this company in Germany and they got a similar title. May not, you may want to stay away from that. And so that began like three-week process of all these different names. And then finally, I just gave up and I was like, all right, keep it simple, stupid. So it's the Matthew West podcast. It's a podcast steeped in the power of story. And I get to interview some of my favorite artists and authors and influencers. Speakers. What's a favorite one that you've done that you, people should definitely go and check out or what the takeaway from it? Is? Well, I would have to say um, a guy named Emmanuel Acho, who's a former NFL linebacker. He's now the host of Speak for Yourself on Fox Sports 1. And uh, even more significantly than that, I promise I, I talk gooder on my own podcast, but Oh, I better. don't talk. I don't. I, I sometimes wonder how in the world I get paid on the daily to talk yeah. for a living. So no worries here. Well, Emmanuel Acho started putting out these videos called Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man. He spoke with Matthew McConaughey and NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, and these really like, I found myself in 2020 when I didn't know what to say when it comes to like terms of race in America, I would latch onto his videos. And one, I was learning a great deal, but two, I just felt like sharing with my Instagram followers, like, Hey, watch this. You know what I mean? And so I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, be on my podcast. And he's like, absolutely. We had a great conversation. I think it's a really a challenging conversation. And that's what I love. Like I've been like, this podcast has been huge for my own personal curiosity, like learning from the people that I'm talking to. I got to talk with Sean Johnson and her husband, Andrew East, you, you know yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And like, just talking about their journey from like, Olympic gold medals at 16 to like now what in life. And it's been a lot of fun. So I'm hoping to get uh, Amy Brown on my podcast one day. So Oh, I think we can that arrange work. that. Yeah, <laughs> no worries. I think that I enjoy and what I want my listeners to know is stuff that when I'm interviewing someone, it's, it's, I'm a listener too. I'm not just sitting back being like, oh, okay, yeah, people are, I want to learn and grow from it too. And stuff that I'm sharing is stuff I'm really trying to implement Absolutely. myself or that I would want to hear about and know about. And so I think podcasts can just be interesting. I feel like it's your own space. You get to be behind a microphone and putting totally. out stuff, but it's kind of selfishly for yourself too. It is. And it's like, you know, a lot of my communication has been limited to the confines of a three minute song. And by the way, make it rhyme and make it hooky. So it's a hit. And this podcast has been a format where, man, I can sit down and I've always loved the interviews I get to do with radio stations across America. And so to be on the other side of the microphone, how did that come about though? Like being a singer songwriter, first of all, let's talk about how you even got into that. And then how, you know, most singer songwriters, well, some these days podcasts are gaining popularity for sure. Yeah. Uh, so some artists are putting stuff out, but why decide to do a podcast? Well, what's been interesting, so I had the idea for a podcast a couple of years ago, but my touring schedule was so exhausting that there's certain things that'll be on the back burner for me. And so I'm always an idea person. I think you are too, but it's like 
some things just need their window to breathe to to be born and, and develop. And so for me, a lot of times it's like my next book, there's always that I got to carve out that six week window where I'm I'm submerged into that. And the podcast wound up being, man, 2020, there's no time like the present to where it was like that became a front burner idea for me. And I was ready to launch into that. I had a lot of people for the last few years pull me aside and say, man, you should do a podcast. You should do a podcast. But this was just the right time. So uh, you know, can I, I just say back to yeah, the books? You've written five books. Yes. That's amazing. I've heard well, from you. friends that have written a book. Like writing a book is, yeah, it is your, it's a baby. You gave birth it's, to something pretty intense. It's insanity. Insane, like, yeah. and, and it's very isolating because it's not like a lot of times in the songwriting room, you're collaborating. And when you're writing that book, it's like, it's, there's days where you feel like you should have a straight jacket on and be in a padded room somewhere, you know, because you're alone with your thoughts and that's a dangerous place to be. But it's been fun, you know, just to unpack. There, a lot of times it's like my songs have stories behind them and you want to go deeper than just that three minute song will allow. And the books help you do that. The books. And then now a podcast. That's right. I, it's all coming together. Yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And plus, you know, what? I talked with uh, Sean Johnson about this a lot. It was like, what about the second act of our lives? Like, I love being a recording artist, but like staring over my shoulder, your whole career as an artist, you're kind of going, when's it going to end? Like, when is radio going to decide they're done playing Matthew West? When is, or whatever. And, you know, I've been so blessed to have the career that I'm going to have, but I've decided to refuse to think that like when my music career is not at like the peak of whatever, when people aren't buying tickets to see my concert, that then I'm just going to be this lost soul who's longing for the glory days. I think the glory days are possibly in the next chapter too. So we talk a lot on the one podcast episode, we talked about second acts and Sean Johnson, who won a gold medal at 16. Imagine the feeling of well, it's all downhill from here. You reach the epitome of success at 16 years then, old. Now, now what? what? But she's blazed this trail of like, well, maybe I'll go win Dancing with the Stars. Maybe I'll be this huge influencer. Maybe I'll write a best-selling book. And it's like her second act, you could argue, is even more impactful than the first. And so the podcast for me is kind of part of like, who's to say, you know? I don't think I'm a one-dimensional person. I think the God who made me, he's not one-dimensional. So let's do this. Let's dive into other things. So that's what's been fun about it. But my first love is always and will be sitting down and crafting a song and whether I record it or I write it for somebody else, like that's where my passion still lies. And there's a musical component to every episode of the podcast as well. And you have a, more than 130 songwriting credits. Uh, you have cuts by Rascal Flatts, Scotty McCreary, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant, Mandisa, Danny Gogi, others. I mean, a lot happening here. And being that that's your first love, how did you even get into that? At what age did you know, okay, I'm going to be a singer-songwriter? And then yeah. when did it happen for you? Because there's a lot of people out there that that's what they want. But yeah. the, it's almost like the percentage of people that find success with something creative like that. You're, you're very blessed. And I, think, I don't think that's lost on you how lucky you are. I definitely feel that. And uh, it kind of brings me back to what we talked about at the beginning about the silver linings. One big theme in my story is rejection has been a silver lining. I have discovered that rejection is never really rejection. Like rejection, if you got the right attitude, is preparation for something bigger than you were even striving for. So rejection started for me. Well, one, all the girls I tried to date, that's one level of rejection. <laughs> but thank you. I'm, I'm thankful that I finally got the one to say yes. And she was the one. But like my dreams of playing baseball, rejection, no scholarship offers, didn't get drafted, move on. What's the next, what's the next thing? 
Then pursuing music, I thought I'd get a record deal right away, and I got rejected by every label for about three years. But that's what led me to being signed as a staff songwriter. And so just like Up and Down Music Row, you've interviewed a lot of them probably, these songwriters who are behind the scenes, and they're like the true craftsmen and women of songs. Like they are day in and day out, blue collar, nine to five. They treat it like a job, not a hobby. And that was the school that I got immersed. That was my world because I couldn't get a record deal. And so all of a sudden the label started coming back around the ones that rejected me and said, we still don't want to give you a deal, but you're a pretty good songwriter. We'd like to set you up with this artist, or we'd like to take this song you wrote and give it to another. Like I'll never forget back in the day, Rascal Flatts took a song that I wrote for my wife and I just wrote it for my wedding and they recorded it on their Feels Like Today album. And it was like, you can do that? Like that's a, and it was like, I remember joking, I joked with somebody that like, I went to my wife, I was like, hey, Rascal Flatts wants to record this song, but this is your song. So I figure you only want me to be the singer of it. She's like, what are you crazy? Like, tell him, yes, you need to start buying me some furniture, you know? <laughs> and uh, they did help me buy some furniture. So I'm forever grateful. But so it was really rejection that led me to that career of writing songs behind the scenes. And now I sort of have like, I feel like I have six careers, but when it comes to songwriting, I go and I make my records, but then I'm done making that record. I got more songs in me. And so I'm thankful there's a lot of artists that like give me a shot. They listen to my songs or call me in to write with them. And that's like, that's a crazy fun creative process too. At what point did you get your recording contract? Or is it, it was hard? four years in my time in Nashville. So I was a staff writer for a publishing company in Nashville for four years. And t- towards the end of that, I got my record deal and I got a chance and uh, got to put out my first album. And what's crazy is the label that signed me sold me after two albums. And so I was, I was only there really long enough to meet my wife and launched my career and then I got sold to another company but my wife stayed with me she didn't sell me off so yeah. so yeah so it was four years of just like going to work every day like writing songs yeah was, what would you say to people because some people this may not be their world but wherever they are in life if they know that that's what they want to do and they're chasing it and I get you to rejection is a huge one to not it's, it shouldn't be wasted that can actually help you grow 100% and get you to where you need to go but if someone came to you and said hey I, I'm really struggling this is what I want to do but h- how do I stay in it yeah or when is it time to know to maybe <laughs> move on <laughs> well I, I definitely feel like the music industry has a way of weeding people out like in a lot of it's how you handle criticism some people handle criticism they curl up in a ball and run away chances are that's a sign that that particular profession is not going to be your future for me You know, I'm the guy who, when my high school basketball coach, every day I would show up at practice. (laughs) And he was probably right for saying this, but it was harsh. He'd always pull me over and he said, Wes, get over here. Yeah, coach, what do you need, coach? Anything, coach. He's like, hey, what are you doing here? I'm here for practice, coach. No, 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 you're at the wrong practice. And then he would point to the cheerleaders and be like, that's your practice. Go over there and practice. That's where you belong. I said, no, coach, I'm here to play basketball. And like every day, he would just put me down like that. Like, you should go practice. You're not a basketball player. But I would that I would take that and say, I'm going to show you. Like, to the point where I'll fall on the hardwood, get 12 stitches in my chin just to win his approval. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a healthy way to do it. But when it came to the music industry, like, the criticism that I got, my response was, all right, wait to hear my next song. Mm-hmm. All right, wait to hear my next song. And that's still my mentality. Even now, if I send a song to my label and they're like, eh, I'll be like, all right. 
I'll see you tomorrow. And, and the big thing I would say though, for somebody who's not having a dream come true, this will be a big challenge that I've had to learn in my life. And my dad's done a good job. My mom's done a good job of showing me is that there's a difference between a dream and a calling. And I feel like this world talks a lot about chasing your dreams and it feels like rainbows and, you Welcome know, just, to Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, chase your dreams. You can make anything possible. But man, I mean, having you experienced in your life, Amy, that like sometimes those dreams you chase, they're man-made. And I don't want to chase a man-made dream. I want to like really be where my life was meant to be that has a greater purpose. And so when you're just chasing a dream, you'll lose steam and you'll be tempted to quit. But when you know you were born to do it and there's something, there's a deeper meaning and a purpose to it, that's I think where you'll find a determination that can rise up in the face of any criticism you face. And so for me, obviously my faith is very important to me and that's what I'm seeking every day is like, okay, not my dream, but I wanna know like what the one who made me is dreaming about for me. There's a song I wrote for Casting Crowns. It was never a radio single or anything, but it was called Dream For You. And it was talking about like different characters in the Bible, like, hey, Mary, you know, heard you've been dreaming. And like, hey, David, you know, this little shepherd boy, like, and it, the idea was like, come on, let me dream for you. I got bigger dreams for you than you could ever imagine on your own. So that's what I'm chasing in my life. And that would be the encouragement. I, I would give that encouragement to somebody else. Here we go. So I know we were talking about this before and Tim McGraw's song, Humble and Kind, oh, which is written by Lori McKenna. She is so good. Yeah. she. I would like to write with her someday. Oh, I've never asked. She's had. awesome. And that song, when it comes to music as a singer songwriter, when other music touches you, mm -hmm. for me, I feel like music touches me all the time, but it's not really my craft, but I'm sure you're probably dissecting parts of it that some of us don't even realize <laughs> how genius it actually is. And so when it comes to music that touches you, like, do you remember when you first heard Humble and Kind for the first time and what you were feeling? And I mean, why is that a song that you would put on your list of like, this song touched me? Well, for one, like, I, I feel like there's a timelessness to music that I'm drawn to that is maybe one of the hardest things to capture in your own songwriting. Like, why are there certain songs that I return to? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I return to She Loves Me Like Jesus Does by Eric Church. I just return to that song. I just return to it, you know? I, I told, I wrote with uh, Casey Bethard, who wrote that song. We wrote a couple weeks ago, and I told him, I was like, dude, that's one of, I don't know why, it's just one of my, and you wouldn't pick that as maybe one of Eric's biggest hits, but like, I just return to it. Why do I return to John Mayer? Why do I return to James Taylor? Like, there's a timelessness and an honesty in a lyric. Specifically, the song Humble and Kind is Which like- Which Tim McGraw recorded, by the way. I think I said Lori wrote it, but in but case- Yeah, Tim cut it. You're wondering, you, I'm sure if yeah. you're in the country music, music world, you've heard it. If you don't listen to country music, you may be like, oh, what are they talking about? <laughs> but really, it's not about the song. It's just about yeah. how music can, I'm curious to see as a singer-songwriter, how music- influences you yeah it and to me humble and kind is a song for 2020 too even though it was out probably in what 2017 2018 i think yeah, but like when i think about those lessons for life and like there's a line in that song that just it hits my heart it hits different as my kids say because it makes me think of my kids and what i'm trying to teach them even when it comes to dating but there's a line that says know the difference between sleeping with someone and sleeping with someone you love I love you ain't no pickup line. Always stay humble and kind. I'm like, dang, I, I don't know why. Just as a dad, I'm like, 
that's what I'm trying to tell my daughters and teach them, you know, to save them from some heartache. But like songs like The House That Built Me, I, I am a huge country music fan. Oh, The House That Built Me. I mean, me gosh, like goosebumps. I sat with um, Tom Douglas and Alan Shamblin, who wrote that song. I we probably Well, and that song was written years before years. Miranda cut it. Like it, it's such a timeless. Hit. And the fact that it, it didn't go anywhere, for it just proved too. I, I don't know. Now we'll geek out about the music side so of things good. that we're probably privy to that other people may not know. But uh, Bobby had had him on the Bobby cast, I think. and Tom Douglas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Either way, somehow it came up that this the song sat there for years and years, years and years before it got cut and became a hit. So you just kind of never know. You never know. and that's But that, again, speaks to the timelessness of something. Yeah. Like that it was written years before. And then you know a gift of a voice like Miranda Lambert marries with that song and it's you know just so epic so I mean make me feel something when I'm hearing a song and make you know create a song that's my go-to and I'll keep returning back to it you know old Garth I mean there's a bunch there's so many songs that I would point to that are like my go-to song. Yeah, I think that, yes, Tom Douglas was on the Bobby cast, if y'all want to go back and listen to that I mean, episode. Hall of Fame songwriter. Oh, yeah. A poet. And The House That Built Me, which Miranda Lambert sang, we did a funny thing on the Bobby Bone Show where Lunchbox went and knocked on houses of people. <laughs> and so, I mean, totally made it yeah. up. But he would knock on their door and say, hi. And he's recording it. Like, I grew up here. He's or? like, I, I grew up here. This is the oh house that God. built me. He took lines from from the song and would just repeat them to the people. And he's like, this tree and then that hallway. That's a great idea. He's like, can I, do you mind if I, and people would just look at him like he was crazy. Like he's having a moment. Yeah. But a song like that, when you listen to it, and I think, you know, even with Hummel and Kind, like when you think, oh, you want your daughters to hear certain lines, you want to remind yourself to always be Hummel and Kind. And then hearing a song like The House That Built Me, like immediately your brain can't help but go back to maybe the one house you grew up in or the 10 houses you grew up in and the memories, the good and the bad and all the things. So when you're sitting down, what do you do before you write? I think you said you shared you actually write things down. Do you listen to certain things to get you in a mood for writing or... That's a great question. I think I listen to so much music, but when I'm going to make a record, I find that I'm not going to listen to quite as many songs in the middle of a writing season for a record. Because you don't want to be influenced in that way. Exactly, yeah. And I think the the big challenge for a songwriter or an artist is, have you put in your 10,000 hours up to the point where those reflexes just kick in and you, you've you worked the muscles out. Like, I think I heard Steve Mokler say something about exercising when it came to songwriting on your show, like just that you've worked out those muscles enough that your recall of, it's all just in you. And so it's going to come out in a unique way. I think one of the most discouraging thoughts a songwriter can have is, man, it's a mental battle, but it'll say like, it's all been done before. What are you doing? It's all been said before. What, what do you think you're doing today? I think any creative struggles with that. Yes. Not just songwriting or, or being a performer. When you have a creative job or maybe you work in marketing or advertising or you have to sit down or you're trying to think of ideas for yes. your business yes. and how to make it grow. Well, this has been done and that's been done and this has been done and there's no, what am I supposed to do? Like that Nonprofits can, or whatever. Yeah, your whatever podcast, my podcast. It's like I could get to Scourge and go, well, Amy's already got a podcast and thousands of people listen to it. So what am I going to do that's any different? But one of the biggest things that helps me turn the corner from that discouragement is like, yeah, it's all been done before. 
but not the way I'm about to do it. It's all been said before, you know, but not the way I'm about to say it. And and that's not a cocky thing. It's more of a nobody has the vantage point I have but me. I'm seeing through my own eyes and I'm the only one who gets to do that. And sometimes it's a scary thing because my head's a crazy place to be. But ultimately, I think that does empower me. I do like a creative writing exercise like in the morning, 10 minutes, no longer. Um, I got it from this book that I read like over and over again called Writing Better Lyrics, which doesn't sound romantic. The fact that I'm reading a book on how to, but uh, it's just this 10 minute, like you don't let the pen leave the page or you don't let your fingers leave the keyboard and you just pick an object and it's crazy what happens. Like I'll start writing about a red station wagon that I grew up driving to Florida in. And before I know it, I'm talking about the feeling of pulling off at a gas station and the excitement of like picking out my snack for the trip ahead and then buying postcards and like all these, and you just start writing these images and 10 minutes is up and you're done, but you want to keep going. And then I'm like, I feel like I'm awakened to whatever song's about to come. And the song might be nothing about that. It's just like writing about the red station wagon took me back. And I'm putting out a Christmas song this year. And it literally starts from an object writing exercise. And it says, take me back to eight years old, little church on a dead end road, which is where I grew up. That's my church, my dad's church on Hobson Road. And it was a dead end uh, with a candle flicker in one hand and dad's hand in the other. Take me back to silent night. My heart was full and the world was right. Because right now this world looks nothing like those innocent Decembers. And it goes on to talk about, you know, these days peace on earth is hard to find. And I need you to remind me one more time. You're still the hope of Christmas. And it just like came out of me just remembering Christmas Eve going up in my dad's church and just the beauty of that moment and feeling like a million miles away from it, but wanting to return. Well, for you, a writing exercise like that results in a beautiful song. And sure. for some people, well, a lot of people listening, we're not songwriters, but I would want them to take what you're saying as encouragement to how therapeutic writing can be. And that's something my friend Allie Fallon, do you know Allie? I don't. Oh, she's awesome. Uh, but she taught me that, and she's come on the podcast before, and she has her own podcast called Find Your Voice. And that's what she wants oh, to that's do cool. is to help people find their voice through writing. And we're all, I'm super intimidated by the writing process because I'm not a writer, even with the gratitude journal that my friend Mary and I put out. It's a four things gratitude journal. And we put stickers in the back because we were like, sometimes we just don't have the words. <laughs> and we thought we would make it easy. That's like a great four idea. Four things like one, two, three, four. It's not overwhelming. It's something simple. You can write one word that you're thankful for, or you I can write that. a paragraph. Yes. But similar to your exercise that you do, the 10 minute thing in the morning, sometimes I would find myself writing what I was thankful for and then filling up the whole page. Sometimes I found myself throwing a sticker emoji in the book and calling it a day. Yeah. But uh, I think that the encouragement to people would be is that if you do feel stuck in life, take pen to paper and see what comes out. Sure. And then maybe where that for songwriters, it might be a song comes out of it. For those of us that are not songwriters, it might be that we clear up our head oh, yeah. for, to free us for another part of our life that needs to be tended to. Like something else can be created from that that's not a song because it can be so therapeutic. Yeah. Well, and it's like what we were talking about earlier about you know social media, how not every part of our stories is meant to be seen, heard, or consumed by the masses. And we get fooled into thinking that's the case, but the same would go for like a writing exercise. It may just be for your eyes only, for your heart only, but you matter that much 
to take those steps and grow in that way. So I have found, you know, I interviewed this lady named Angie Smith. She's an author. She was trying to process her emotions after losing a daughter. And she just found that a way as a way to like just vent or communicate how she was feeling. And it just started that authentically, just her just pouring her heart out in the wake of losing her daughter. And a publisher calls her and says, hey, you might not understand this, but you have an incredible gift for words. Here she is, like, she put out a book, sold 500,000 copies, and it all started authentic. Like, she didn't discover her dream or her calling until she just kind of stepped out to do something that she thought might help her heal. And chances are, when you do something that's going to help you heal, that sets you up to to help heal others and encourage others. That's that's kind of a maybe a theme of what we're talking about today. Huge theme. And I'm so thankful for so much of your wisdom that you've dropped. I don't know about wisdom. No, <laughs> the wisdom of a sure. fool, you could call this well, episode. I mean, I appreciate it. So we'll get into the fourth thing next. Fourth thing with Amy Brown. Okay, so for the last thing, it's going to be rapid fire questions with Matthew West. Okay, I'm ready. ready? Yeah, absolutely. Just first thing that comes to your mind. First thing, let's go, let's go. Okay, if you could buy any type of food right now, what would you buy? I would buy a steak, 100%. Sorry to all the vegans. Are you a vegan? (gasps) No. Okay. I lived a vegan lifestyle for a while, but it was back when I was trying to get pregnant. (laughs) I thought I needed to be vegan, gluten-free, all that. But it was part of, I have no food rules currently, thank goodness. What color is your toothbrush? Gray. Oh, like I'm most of my life. It, I, well, I, you know, that's guys, the proof that I brushed guys. my teeth before coming to do your show. So <laughs> you, you should feel very, in 2020, brushing my teeth has been, well, I'm not going to say optional. I've done it. I brushed my teeth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's something on your bucket list? Oh man. Something on my bucket list would be to play a show at Red Rocks oh, yeah. and um, maybe write a song with Lori McKenna. And Luke Laird, I love Luke Laird. <gasps> He's the we best. saw him at the beach a while back. I was just a huge fan of, of them. But oh, there's I some love bucket lists. Luke and Beth. Luke, they if you're out there, let's do it, man. Do you know them? Do you know? Yeah, them? I know. Oh, them. I figured. What's funny is I wrote with Luke years and years ago. Neither of us had had like really any success in our lives, and we were writing. And it was the day I said, "Hey, instead of going to lunch today, I hurt my voice. I got to go to the doctor. So then we'll come back this afternoon." This is the one and only time I wrote with Luke Laird. And I had to text him from the doctor's office to say, they just told me I got to have surgery. I can't write with you again. And then like 15 years later, he and I never wrote together again. But I was like, that was my, I could have written a hit with Luke Laird, but I had to have throat surgery instead. So. Oh man, y'all need to get back that crazy? to the writing room together. I know. His wife is a, she's such an inspiration. So amazing. A woman, businesswoman, like I, I really look up to I her know, for yeah. sure. Well, speaking of people you admire, who do you admire the most? I would say my. Man, that's I know that's hard to answer. My mom and my dad. They're 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 tied right there, man. They're the coolest thing is no matter where I am in the world, what stage I'm getting on to sing, I know that my mom is saying a prayer for me every single day of my life, and that is something mm-hmm. I don't take for granted. Do you have any weird quirks? I got like tons of quirks, but um, try to narrow it down to one. Sure. I've become weirdly obsessed with efficiency in my life right now. So like if I can time it out to where I call the Uber at the perfect time when I'm on the road and it arrives at just the right time when I'm ready or the delivery of the food, food delivery. Like if I get this timing, just like it's my mind like obsesses over weird 
timing time. things. Yeah, like because when I'm on the road, like I hate it when time gets wasted. And so like I'll land and someone's in charge of driving me and then they get lost because they don't know the area. So I'm in like Austin, Texas and they're driving me and I just want to get to That's the barbecue restaurant. Shop. Right. Yeah. And they but they send me to the wrong side of town and I'm like pulling my hair out. So I kind of become my own tour manager. It's super oh. weird. But my wife like it drives her nuts. So time and efficiency, weird. Yeah, like on vacation, like she's like, you need, oh, you to, need stop. to relax. You got to stop. If you're on vacation, let's pump the brakes. I just stuff. can't. I can't relax. It's, really? I, I, can't, I can't. Do you like massages? I do. Okay, because some people don't. But I mean, do you find that if you get one, you feel a little bit more? If I could relax, I would really enjoy the massage, but I can't even relax during a massage. But I like the idea of it. <laughs> Oh, are you going to the right people? I can send maybe you not. Maybe She'll come not. to your house. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your favorite movie? Oh, it's a tie. Well, Jaws one through five, and then Rocky one through five, and Shawshank Redemption. Who has watched Jaws <laughs> two, three, four, and five? Somebody, please tell me. Oh, I have. I I had the box set. I mean, I watch them all, and I like Tom Tommy Boy and uh, Dumb and Dumber. I like all the stupid comedies too. Chris Farley, rest in peace. He's my spirit animal. Oh, what are you binging right now? <laughs> Uh, this is or do you binge? Yes, no. We're we're um. So the West family has been binging the old sitcom, The Middle. Oh, it's it's like awesome for the family. And then we've been watching Designated Survivor, which is a good one. Kiefer Sutherland, like the capital. It's like twenty four, but now (laughs) he's the president. (laughs) It's like, and it's kind of dark for like the times in our world right now, the political unrest. But my kids are like super into it. Isn't it daunting to think? I mean, I know that there is a designated. We don't. I guess we don't know who it is, but we have to have a. I didn't know. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a designated survivor, but. I wonder who it is. Who is it? Yeah. And in this who show. Is it? is it you? It's not me. Yeah. You don't want me running the country. Trust me. I don't know. We might. <laughs> yeah. Kanye's on the ballot. I'll vote for you right now. <laughs> okay. Let's end with this one. What TV sitcom family would you want to be a member of? Oh, that's a great question. I know. Um, it's so hard. Like I go between Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, that's so great. Awesome. Because they had a nice house. Yeah. Uh, and then DJ Jazzy Jeff would be your best friend. Have you and ever seen the Will Goldbergs? Smith. The who? The Goldbergs. Oh, yeah. I've seen a few episodes. Like that house is, it takes place in the 80s. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of yelling in that house. And like, it's a crazy, like this crazy Jewish family that like, and the mother, they call her a smother. And she just like, that's a funny sitcom. I think we've watched enough of that show to be like, that'd be kind of fun to be in that house. The Goldbergs. That's my plug for the show, The Goldbergs. Oh, yeah. Is it still in season or is it I don't even. They did like nine seasons. We watched like every episode. You know who I messaged with uh, yesterday is she's going to be on the podcast, but she's now like the queen of Christmas movies, but Candace Cameron. Oh, yeah. And she, I mean, Full House. That would be a family. I should have picked a family that has the best theme song, but I always loved the everywhere you go, everywhere you look, there's a hot. Did you know that song's on Spotify? Like you can find like that's a real song. Yeah, I think I did know that because we play weird games like that on the the Bobby Bone Show about '90s theme songs. Like, uh, yeah, the Friends theme song is a song by the Rembrandts. Yes. Yeah. That's right. So that's right. That's right. My wife probably would have picked that as your. Oh, the van. Well, that's to that. to a family to be a part of. Would that I guess count as a family? Really, 
I guess, because they're like a family of friends in New York. Yes. So, yeah, yeah that's yeah, how yeah. there's, I mean, when you think of TV shows that impacted us as kids, how old are you? I'm 43. Okay. So yes. you're my husband's age. I'm 39. Okay. So I'm just 40. So we're in this sort of this, same I have a sister that's 43. So same, grew up with the same, yeah. in the same wheelhouse. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's been this an was honor. like so fun. I feel like we could talk forever. No, I was excited when my team said, hey, do you want to do this? I was like, absolutely. So thanks for having me. Keep up the great work. You're awesome. Awesome. And my wife says hello. She's a huge fan of yours as well. So well, hi, Emily, if you're listening. Oh, I'm sure she will be. Uh, She'll fast forward through my talking because she's heard it all. Oh, yeah. She's no, heard no, me no. talk too She'll much, but she to likes to listen thing. to you. And I'll say just we mentioned your five books that you've written to date. I'm sure more to come. But in case anybody wants to check them out, there's one called Give This Christmas Away. Another this story of your life. Another one called Forgiveness. Then today is day one. Yep, Day one. And then your latest is Hello. My name is. Hello, my name is. It makes me think of yeah. Eminem. <laughs> it's all about identity, man. Just like figuring out who you are, man, which is, uh, isn't that the journey we're all on, you know? Well, thank you for sharing your gifts with the world and being an, an inspiration. We appreciate it. And y'all go follow him on Instagram. He's at Matthew West. Uh, yeah, I think Matthew J. West. No, no. Let me oh, is find it. it. Matthew Where West? Is it? You, come on now. Is it J? I thought Is the, it J? I think there's a J. Okay, hold on. I got in trouble on Instagram the other day because I did a day in, it was hashtag a day in the life. And I uh, I impersonated my wife and it got way too many likes. And she, she didn't like that. Well, so she's going to turn it around on me. Nice. And it is Matthew J. West. And there you I go. just hit the follow button. Oh, and thank you. I'll, thank you, you should too. And definitely I'll check block out. You. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> And definitely check out his new podcast, Easy to Find, the Matthew West podcast. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, Mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org.
This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. 